0: You're listening to Worktape, Episode One.
1: Welcome to the first edition of the Worktape Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mitchell Palmer, with the best shirts in the business. Sitting over here next to me is the Barry Gordy behind this operation, Mr. Isaac Grover. What's up? And uh, we're just going to get right into this one, folks. Right so in. lo-fi, hip-hop music, and chill-hop, all those subgenres that have come across, has been a phenomenon that I've noticed, especially over the last five years. And more specifically, it's on YouTube. A lot of these uh, channels are popping up, such as Chilled Cow, Steezy AF, that have these twenty four hour live streams. Oh,
0: like the stuff that had like uh, Bart Simpson, like just yeah. hanging out on like the a lawn, or
1: yeah, and they've and they've connected and they've connected it exactly. That's a very good point, actually. They've connected it with like animation aesthetic, um, whether it be old episodes of The Simpsons or you know nineties nostalgia cartoons, or what I've seen a lot is they'll connect it to like uh, Miyazaki movies such as like Spirited Away, right. you know, that kind of thing. They, there's a there's a real parallel with like the moodiness of anime, the lo-fi with the aesthetic of the anime, exactly. Um, but, you know, it's very interesting to see this kind of lo-fi and chill hop music come to the forefront and have a lot of people in our generation gravitate towards it, not only for kind of ambiance to kind of fill the space, But, you know, a lot of people are using it, you know, to study with, you know, a a lot of times when I was on my college campus of San Diego State, I would hear, you know, lo-fi hip-hop playlists going on in the background or see somebody's tab open um, as their way of getting study, studying done, you know. Even um,
0: you're on YouTube, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean. (laughs) that's everywhere. Exactly, you know. You know, they they play that same loop of that girl studying. You know, how how long is she doing it? I mean, it's just it's never-ending. So
0: what about it? What do you think is so alluring and just kind of um, addicting about it?
1: Well, I think, you know, the fact that they... there's
0: a lot of hypnotic kind of... There are a lot of hypnotic elements to it.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's kind of going on here is you do have this emphasis on low fidelity in this space where we've been pushing so hard for records and music to sound as clean and pristine as possible. High fidelity yeah and so with a with a push of like bringing some of that tape back in or mm-hmm. kind Analog. of log yeah more distorted instrumentals pitch shifted instrumentals I think that kind of evokes a very nostalgic feeling for a lot of people I think a lot of people think to maybe back their childhoods when they would listen to music maybe on tape or um if they're older than that maybe vinyl uh, before hipsters kind of brought it back into this day and age because most sure of because most of the physical sales are coming from vinyl now Which is And hipsters. Yes. (laughs) Ditto to both. (laughs) Um, So I think that's really cool, but I mean, I think the other thing too is I think that this is kind of, once again, another evolution and form of jazz in a way. I think that, you know, because of these samples being based in jazz music um, pulled from jazz records, this is kind of our generation's take on a lot of um, those elements. But I mean, that's nothing new because what we have now is derivative of kind of what has been considered the golden age of hip-hop being in the late er, late 80s, early 90s, and, and especially from the right. East Coast. East Coast, you know, artists like Nas, um, Pete Rock, DJ Premier, and, of course, the late, great Jay Dilla, rest in peace. Um, New Jobbies is kind of um, right. also pioneered that forward as well. So Don't forget Q-Tip. Well, of course, Q-Tip. Tribe, tribe, <laughs> tribe, De La Soul, you know, you can throw them all in there, man. Yeah, I know. You can throw them all in there, Dan. But what are your thoughts on it? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question back to oh, you. What do you What do you think? What do you I think? I wasn't about expecting this? that. All right, no,
0: it's them? a podcast for music, of course. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Uh, so just kind of chill hop in general. What my, just my sentiments? Mm-hmm. Anything goes?
1: Yeah,
0: I hate it. No, um, I actually uh, I dig it. I dig what a lot of the kids are doing. Um, I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously have my own sentiments about, uh. Throwbacks and nostalgic Mm -hmm. kind of type stuff. Mm -hmm. Nostalgism kind of works for me and sometimes it doesn't work for me. Uh, What I like about nostalgia is the fact that I can be taken back to something and and remind me of my childhood. What I don't like about it is I actually think sometimes it can be a bit lazy creatively Mm -hmm. and it causes people to look to the past rather than look to the future. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my overall answer to it. But like chill hop and chill step, all those things, because the groove is so good and... If it's, like, good, like, and just really, really powerful, it makes me forget sometimes the throwback element.
1: Yeah. And there's a little bit of what...
0: can get old, though.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Because I'm hearing the same thing over and over, and it's like, you know what? I heard that from the last 20 guys. Does anyone have anything new?
1: Yeah, and a lot of, you know, people are using similar kits and similar sounds and whatnot if you really want to get into that, but... I feel like a little bit with with Chill Hop and whatnot, there's a little bit of like a less is more approach. Yes, yes. Your beats need to be clean. They can't can't be busy. Exactly. If it's too convoluted, then it's like not authentically lo-fi. And people are very quick to call you out
0: on that. There's consumer music and connoisseur music. Consumers, they don't really think like the connoisseur does. They don't think like the creative does. Consumers just consume. So when you are a consumer and you don't understand the trade very well, you, you kind of don't want someone to come at you um, with something really complex. Right. You want something that you can digest right on the spot. Mm-hmm. And so, even though I have my gripes with consumer music because I love to create all the time, I love it. I get super bored with a lot of con- uh, consumer style music. Mm-hmm but I understand why it exists and I understand why things are marketed to people for certain reasons. Yeah. But then again, when you get to like the nerdy stuff, you know, the people who actually play these NPCs, the people who actually play these instruments and who compose these things.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not stimulating enough for them. Right. It's because consumers and connoisseurs and creatives, they, they think differently.
1: Right. And that kind of opens up a, a door in terms of, you know, a discussion of, the quote unquote commercial music that is, you know, dominating the airwaves. And then the right, stuff commercial
0: that, consumer, you can yeah, interchange and the,
1: them. And the, and the stuff that is a bit more what would be considered avant garde or maybe a little more cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some artists I feel really are able to teeter that line a lot better than. Yes. Which is than, why
0: I was going to say some of the best artists know how to do both. Mm-hmm. They know how to, they know how to kind of get that overly familiar sound, but they also mix it with something really unique.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Those um, are like the best. Yeah. And I, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There are artists, though, that are definitely capitalizing on uh, the nostalgia thing and are really playing up to it. You know, your Bruno Mars, your weekend, as much as. Pharrell I,
0: Williams. He did, too.
1: As much as. Yeah, yeah of course, Pharrell is going to be yeah. thrown in that conversation as well. And, and he had to pay some major money for that. Uh, <laughs> no just because yeah uh, just because the gay estate is a little money hungry there <laughs> uh want to want to profit off their old man for as long as they can um did you mention the weekend you did mention i the did weekend. mention the weekend okay yeah the weekend. short term no it's all right the weekend Dua Lipa, bruno mars yeah they all put out you know stuff that is very reminiscent of that lizzo a little bit but i think she has a pretty fresh sound too it's a little more gospely, you think? Yeah, pretty. Yeah, she she does that a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little more like, uh, f- I want to say flamboyant. I was impressed. Yeah, definitely.
0: I color I, this colored person impressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lizzo is is great. I um she came she came by um on San Diego State, and I got to listen to her a little bit. Um, I got one of the big advantages of uh, San Diego State's campus is that the amphitheater is right in front of the library. And the library has little balconies where you can sit and basically listen to free concerts without even going in the theater. So basically me and a few other students, uh, we we camped out there. I actually, I listened to Vampire Weekend that way and uh, Lizzo as well. Um, and I heard, you know, a lot of the music that she was coming out with and how uh, fired up the crowd was off of that. And um, that was really something, something unique. But I do think, you know, coming back full circle to – the chill hop. This idea of, yeah, and, and nostalgia and whatnot. I do think that there are people who maybe have that as a little bit too much of a focus in their um, artistic endeavors, as oh, much as I love it. I have it.
0: so many bands I could rag on right now, but, you know, ironically, a lot of these bands are some of my favorites.
1: Incredible <coughs> athlete. Um, oh, uh, shoot.
0: Okay. So, no, 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 we're going to get there. So, with them, there's a difference between a throwback and a throwback. Okay. They're Explain. on the more extreme side of a throwback. Whereas a band mm. I was actually gonna rag on, which is actually personally one of my favorites, the killers. Yeah. Easily. Okay. They um they they play okay. the nostalgia to death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um at first it was a more modern take on the nostalgia, because it, it's always been there. You know, you listen to their music, it's always been there. I think their most modern sounding album, if we're really gonna be honest, Easily Sam's Town. Oh, yeah. And you could still hear Bruce Springsteen, all that. You can hear a lot of their um, 80s influences, but something about Sam's Town felt perfectly modern for 2006. Um, yeah, it sounded more modern than Hot Fuss, even though Hot Fuss is my favorite record by them.
1: Well, just because they they came out the gate swinging with yeah. so
0: many of those singles. So much new wave and post-punk. Uh, sure. Sam's Town was, even if people don't consider it their best, it's my second favorite by them. It's easily their most modern and most like relevant record, I would say, as far as style goes. And then, even though I liked it, Day and Age was definitely even more into throwbacks. And then we got into like uh Battleborn.
1: They kind of just now they're just a And then their recent album too. I forgot even what Mirage? it was. Mirage is it like Mirage? Something or, on the Mirage, exactly. It's just Yeah. It's
0: not it's not trying to really No You know what I mean?
1: I, know, I, I, I do get what you're saying. They because, lost me. I do get what you're saying because you know, since we are on, on this topic here of the killers, now we'll we'll dive into this a little bit cool. just because i have i have some feelings on this as well um i do agree with you i think that hot fuzz was a hot fuss rather was a super strong album that borrowed a ton from you know the great artists of yesteryear the, but you heard a lot of clash you
0: heard a lot of killing joke uh-huh. uh chameleons but
1: that's mm-hmm. probably
0: a little obscure uh, for some people
1: even even a little even a little beatles on something like oh, totally it, yeah on all these things i should have done you know well, a fun li- fact brandon
0: just does not like bands like nirvana Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. uh, didn't like he, he quotes them as taking the fun out of rock and roll so well, you're he, not going to hear the killers taking too much from those bands more so the 80s the
1: cars well because grunge kind of had its moment in the sun and then kind of too depressing burned he's kind of it too depressing out. it had a, but it but i mean it had its moment in the sun like you know because right. if you think about rock at that time like pre-grunge it was all this hair metal it was all motley Crue, uh poison the scorpions um, even GNR was kind of thrown in there. It went
0: from hair to heroin really quickly. <laughs> I'm super sorry. I should not have said that.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's very true. It's absolutely true. Because um, Washington, where a lot of uh, grunge music came from, there wasn't hardly anything to do in Washington. So what could you do? Really make music and shoot, basically, is what you really could do. Let's think about it. Yeah. Because many places in Washington, what is it? It's overcast and forest. What are you going to do? You're gonna you're gonna get get your band you get your bandmates together, place No, hey,
0: I actually have always wanted to go to Seattle and Aberdeen and all those places. Seattle's
1: a Seattle's a great city. I yeah. mean,
0: people hate on it for being it's one of my favorite rock scenes. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Soundgarden. I love all those bands. So Um it's,
1: Pearl, Pearl Jam, yeah, yeah too. Uh Quincy Jones, a Seattle guy. I did not know that. Quincy Jones, Seattle guy. Yep. Or at least forgot about that. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what Quincy Jones, you know, he's he started as a trumpet player and um kind of evolved into the mega producer, one of my musical heroes is, is Quincy Jones, um, just in the fact that he covered every single bass. Well-earned. Yeah. He was a fantastic jazz player. He was a great conductor, con- conducted for Frank Sinatra, and uh, elevated Michael Jackson to... You know, a really stardom. intriguing
0: little rabbit hole, and this is a good one. This is one that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time oh, now. Let's do it. I hypothesize that, in my opinion the best music has come from really harsh and cold environments. Mm, Okay. So whether it be pretty much the North. Uh Uh-huh. It's always the North. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, That have come forth. Dude, some of my favorite bands are just from like Washington or or New England or the Atlantic States or the UK. Mm -hmm. Punk is the best up North, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, California has some great punk bands, though.
1: Yeah, like Social Distortion and um, Sublime. But I feel like Cali- those cold environments. But man. but I feel like California with punk music it it leaned, yes it was punk but it leaned more into ska too and some of those yes. and and some of those reggae influence such as you know like a, like I mentioned uh, Sublime Jamaica it's a hot climate. Yes, it, you know Sublime no doubt, you know of course was you know um some great bands that followed in that style. So yeah, no I um back to the back to the Killers though. Yes. Um I really liked I really liked Hot Fuss just because it had so many solid songs from a songwriting perspective because Mr. Brightside I can say is probably a modern day classic at this point. People know it, people can sing along with it. People are going to sing along with it, you know, 10, 20 years from now.
0: The best part about that I would say is uh what was it? Dave Cunning's guitar line.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's a that's an iconic guitar line. That's
0: the best part in it.
1: But I mean that's a that's gonna be a karaoke staple. Like yes, when people is. go to when people go to karaoke nights, they there's somebody who is going to break out Mr. Brightside and he is going to give it the, the full emotion. And you're going to wonder if that dude needs a drink afterwards because of his
0: state. You, you know, when I was a kid, I, I did not understand the hype. I thought the rap style vocals were kind of uh, drab mm. personally. Hey, hey, I love the killers, So yeah. don't hate on me too much. Mm. But when I was younger, I was like, well, I was like, this song's kind of I thought it was boring when I first heard it. It grew on me the more I did it because I love the Killers. I think they're yeah. a great band. Yeah, at least were, but um, <laughs> they yeah. I, I thought that that song I, I I there was nothing in my mind when I listened to that. I was like, why? How, what are people attaching to it? What is so alluring to people about it? Because for me, I'm like, okay, well, the guitar's cool. Yeah, but most people aren't doing that. They're listening to the vocals or right. the overall structure, the, the melody, right. and all that. So I'm I'm wondering, what do you think people grabbed onto that?
1: Well, I think with Mr. Brightside it's it's just it's a very unique topic to be singing about. Kind of the idea of someone who's out of reach, who's, you know, kind of lyrically. Right? Yeah, lyric it, it really comes down to the lyrics and just the way that Brandon was able to pen those feelings of kind of angst and Oh, right, the angst is is, that, is definitely the angst and, yeah. you know, it it you know the equivalent of like, you know, seeing somebody that you want with, you know, somebody else to Hinted kind of in the music video for that, which was very Panic at the Disco-ish a little bit. With oh, some of totally. Because that was a... W- Even
0: though I would say Panic kind of took off from the killer sound. You know, it's one of those bands that...
1: I felt like they all kind of are in a
0: melting pot together because I remember... Okay, so when did Fever come out? 07 or
1: 09? Oh, Fever came out, I want to say 06 or 07.
0: Okay, and I that was s-
1: their debut, right? Uh it wasn't no i don't think so there was one before it really yeah i are th- no um, that was her sophomore i, I almost i, I want I, I thought that was her, i <laughs> thought that was her sophomore. i is that the one with nine and is that the one with nine in the afternoon on it
0: no that was that's a uh, that's pretty odd from 2008
1: oh that's the one i'm thinking of so fever no came fever out- fever was the their debut yes god
0: and that must have come out in six or seven yeah Oh, yeah. Hot
1: Fuss came out in
0: 04. I know that these guys. And they're also Las Vegas bands. I know that. Okay. So the Killers and Panic at the Disco are from Las Vegas as far as like the scene. Okay. Solid point. So there's, I could totally hear a lot of, even, uh, what was the other one? Imagine Dragons. Are they from Las Vegas as well? They are. Yep. Or is it Utah?
1: Imagine Dragons are from Las Vegas. Okay. Got
0: it. So you notice like a similar sound those bands have?
1: Yes. Showmanship. Also, fun fact Imagine Dragons and Killers both have Mormon frontmen. I'm not surprised and I remember that. Yes. Even though Dan Reynolds Neon lo- Trees too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Neon Trees are from my hometown, some of them are from Marietta actually. Oh, I forgot so, about this. Yeah, I sh- I remembered that. Yeah, they're they're hometown heroes. I remember they played at um they played at my high school. They played at a free show and they were basically, you know, treated like gods amongst men. In a way, uh, these bands have a, an uncanny, or at least back in
0: oh eight oh nine, had an uncanny resemblance to like the Killers.
1: Well, yeah, but I yeah. mean, but I mean, it's one of those things where it was like I think a lot of people in rock found that sound to be very profitable. It was very profitable, and and found that you to, could not get away with it. You oh, couldn't get away yeah. from Animals, any of those. Songs. Absolutely. Oh, another really uh,
0: 1983. uh, Walk the Moon. I mean, I remember um, what was it, uh, Alana something Sun.
1: Uh, yeah, I know what you're
0: talking about. You uh, believe this house is falling apart. That was actually a decent yeah. like cut, but mm. I I fell off the bandwagon when they were doing the whole uh,
1: shut up and yeah, dance with me, I, which which completely uh, ripped uh, that guitar part uh, from uh, where uh. the streets have no name, bro. Oh yeah, well yeah, of course. I'm like I'm like, did they listen to the Hey Edge? Coldplay can rip them off, so can uh, we? I, but but I mean, Coldplay was at least smart enough to. We wear, love Coldplay by the way. We're just yeah. gonna talk about them a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they put out their new single too, Higher Power, which we'll get to. We'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to it in a minute, <laughs> but um, because I have some thoughts on that. All as well in Indian and alternative. <laughs> uh, I have some thoughts on that. That's that's very '80s too, so that'll actually kind of fit into to things. But yeah, all those bands, I feel like we're in a similar melting pot of like this danceable rock
0: rock it was like the new desert rock the southwest yeah desert
1: desert rock that's that's danceable that i'm gonna say it probably leans more towards a female fan base to be honest yeah but i mean you had you had you had you know groups like passion pit that got in that too.
0: passion pit yep Mm -hmm. i actually did i actually dug a passion pit i really did like them
1: Yeah, Passion Pit was cool.
0: Naked and Famous. Remember all that? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. We're getting into this huge rabbit
1: hole of stuff. Young the Giant. Young the Giant. I wanted to talk about them for a while I was cool with Young the Giant. Cough Syrup is one of my favorite songs. It was a good song. That's just a well-written rock song. It is, a, it is a well-written composition. I agree. And then, you know, honestly, you know, if we're going to go down this, you know who kind of changed and morphed themselves into one of these bands? Mumford & Sons. Oh, Mumford, my God. Mumford & Sons did that because, of course, Mumford... You know,
0: all of this is Kings of Leon
1: and Killers' fault. All of this. All, absolutely. All of it was their fault. Well, Mumford & Sons, you know, was was with, like, the Lumineers and a lot... And actually, even imagine Dragons at one point, American authors, with this kind of, like, folk... Sound and of course, Mumford and Sons. I know the Lumineers sound, but are you telling me that they actually are from like members are from this like the same band? Or no, 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 I'm okay, not saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm, okay, I'm just it. categorizing yeah. that's what like I thought. we were doing before. Cool, yeah, where we're like this is more like the early 2010s where like this folk rock thing kind of took Of over.
0: Monsters and Men, yeah, of, of Monsters and Men, men. that's yeah. it, Edward Sharp, Magnetic Zeros, all that yep. stuff,
1: yep, basically, if yep, if we would have gone to like. 2012 that would have been like the lollapalooza lineup bro would have been those i was so
0: uh so i kind of touched on my distaste for throwbacks and kind of like being derivative
1: yeah we talking greta
0: we could and we will but uh mumford and sons was the epitome of that for me and so i looked to bands like frightened rabbit okay because i actually really like folk i think Mm. i think modern folk was cool Uh huh. But really, the only couple bands that I really tolerated in in that area was sometimes Luminaires. Every now and then, sometimes they would lose me. Even uh, Father John. Father John Misty. Father John's cool. Yeah. But uh, but Frightened Rabbit really kind of got that space. But with Mumford and Sons, it didn't feel like they really did anything different. Mm -hmm. They just kind of made me hate it. (laughs) And then they went to that Imagine Dragons, Coldplay route, and actually that wasn't too bad. No, well I liked it. It was kind of, it was
1: kind of already out like overdone by then yeah but i liked it the 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 dead horse was kind of beat too many times um (laughs) but the thing with mumford and sons that's just really interesting was they were the antithesis of a lot of these synth electronic rock kind of inspired bands that we talked about before they were kind of they were almost offering themselves like as an alternative to hipsters probably a lot of hipsters like mumford and sons so and kind of tell me
0: that that's a surprise no it's
1: not not (laughs) at all I mean, that that's that, – that those bands we mentioned, you know, Sembris, Tumineers, Mumford & Sons, that was like Hipster Central for a while. Wow, oh, 09 2010. I'm whatever. not like other guys. I listen to these bands and I wear flannels and have a handlebar mustache and drink craft beer. Um, <laughs> that's basically what – I could say some things, but it would be very rude and not – Kind. Well then, that's that's. I, I will I, keep it. I'm just gonna come out right with it, and I'm, I'm gonna say that that was the Mumford and Sons listener <laughs> of the day was was those guys. Oh man! But no, they got they got parodied to death because of that particular sound, and that's why they went electronic. Uh, because they were a parody to begin with. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they were, uh, they were a parody of themselves. They were. They were <laughs>
0: Dude, every, really? almost everything that they did musically was nothing that we hadn't heard from, like, the 50s and 60s.
1: That's very true. Are you talking, like, country Like country from the 50s but, and 60s? Okay,
0: so we can talk country. about country, but guess what? Remember when country and blues country. and bluegrass, they were all, like, cousins and, and yeah. siblings? Y- right. And then they branched out? Uh-huh. Country's not nearly as blues-focused as it used to be. Absolutely not. Country is a sibling or a cousin, rather, to jazz. When you listen to classic country from the '40s, '50s era, I can see that they were improvisational. They had more use of the blue note, but we can get into like more like music theory later. But uh, folk, you know, they all have a American folk, right? We because there are different types of folk music uh-huh. around the world, but sure. American folk bluegrass all that stuff they, they have a they have a common thread and so listening to Mumford they, they were kind of throwing back to a lot of that stuff but the problem that I had with Mumford was not only did it feel like it was already something that I'd listened you know what I mean I listened to Simon and Garfunkel too okay I don't need to hear all these I don't know I just it just got boring after a while it, it just became the same formula yeah their songs are catchy as heck and they're really really cool yeah as far as catchiness is concerned
1: I, I can say I can say that but f- just when you have like a thud 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 thud, thud that's very- very true. They they perfected that like clap, stomp beat and drove it in. Do
0: you have any more intricate uses of a cajon? Can we do something (laughs) unique with this instrument? Why was everyone playing a cajon in 2012? Everyone was playing one. And you know what sucks? Is there's some great cajon players out there who are really good. And then they get overshadowed because no one wants to (laughs) hear someone. No one wants to hear anyone be good on on a cajon. That's true. No one wants to hear someone good. Hey, stop that. Stop being
1: good. We want you to just... (laughs) Do this
0: on the four, right? But, but he
1: got, but you know what? They got their bag. They knew when the jig was up because have no, you heard? Intended. Have you, because have you heard a Mumford album recently? I don't think so. So they knew. <laughs> they, they were in and they were out. They did all this thing driving the sound in the ground. They went electric. band
0: of horses did that sound very well in a very unique way. I actually so, like that sound right. in a modern sense. I really do. I'm just like right. Frightened Rabbit, Band of Horses. They did that sound in a very non-derivative and non-boring way. Mumford kind of just but, when you heard one song, you heard all of them.
1: Right. And and there were YouTube videos that called that out. And I think they realized really? oh yeah. There's there's a video that's actually, very the fa- there's a video <laughs> that's very famous now called every Mumford & Sons song ever where it's just a strumming beat and a guy going I can sing like this and just that same thing and he goes through all the tropes and the same thing is happening with Imagine Dragons too you couldn't escape like radioactive and it's time I think that first album Night Vision was great really solid record really solid Smoke and Mirrors went in a little bit of a different direction which I appreciated after I saw them do it live, when I heard it just on the record, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm feeling this. When I saw Dan Reynolds and company do it live, I gained a much better appreciation okay. for it, especially with a lot of the instrumentation. Then their last few records. Remember the Thunder era? Yeah. The, the, what did um, you
0: think about that?
1: Yeah, that's well. I don't think they've outdone visions. Yeah. What's that? What, what was that album? Like Evolve or something? Oh, Evolve. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? album? Yeah. No, they really haven't. And they've come close. Here's the thing. Okay, the, sure, thing that, sure. the thing that's interesting about Imagine Dragons, right when they're about to lose me completely, they'll come out with a song that sounds like so a night vision. So they pick you up. As soon yeah. as you're starting to drift, they yeah. pick you up. There's a, there's, they'll come out with a song that sounds like a night vision song, and I'm like, okay, I'm back with it. Uh, Walking the Wire is a fantastic version of that. Um, that's our Next to Me, which I think is on that Evolve, which both of them are on that Evolve record. Um both of those are perfect examples of like why I got into Imagine Dragons in the first place that that Alex the Kid production with Dan Reynolds' voice which I think he's got a super solid voice I just think that the songwriting is not where it needs to be. I think that's the thing. When you get him on on good songwriting mm-hmm. and a good track, he's one of the best rock singers out there right now. Absolutely. I had a lot of.
0: I have a lot of huge respect for his vocals, especially what was a. Was it natural? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was actually pretty rad. The dude has some chops. He knows
1: how to project it, and oh yeah, very emo- very emotional too. You can, yeah, you 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 believe what he's singing. Like <laughs> of course you believe. I'm oh, sorry. No. It's about how my mind works. It's how oh, my no. mind works. Make me a believer, <laughs> believer. Believer. <laughs> but you couldn't you couldn't. You couldn't escape that either. I couldn't escape walking into a. I couldn't escape walking into a oh, coffee coffee shop. And they then, would write a song. They a would believer. write a song called "Escape." Believe it. I I, I I couldn't escape that walking into like bars and coffee shops. I'm like, stop. There's better songs. Oh, they turn into Sublime, right?
0: The bar music. Well, as far as bar music is concerned.
1: But, I mean, Sublime with Bradley Knoll is a lot different than Sublime with Rome. Good Sublime, point. Sublime with Bradley Knoll was great. With,
0: I sit with, corrected.
1: With Rome, they're were were they they a par- they're a parody of themselves at this point. Thank you. Someone pa- actually says oh, huh? that. Thank you so they're much. They're a parody of themselves because there are groups that are doing what Sublime was doing right. in their prime with Bradley Knoll, but have been a lot more consistent with it. 311, uh, Dirty Heads, those are- Mm-hmm. The dirty Heads. That's it, that. That's the continuation of the oh my sublime gosh. Whenever sound. Whenever
0: I hear someone mention them, I'm like, uh, yeah. All right. Well, what do you mean?
1: <laughs> Which, what you mean? You don't like Dirty Heads? You don't like a?
0: I like that sound,
1: but you know, what? you I'm don't a, like 311. I I like 311. You I like, like 311? 11. Yeah. Okay. I just. Oh man. They stuck to their roots. I, man. I'm very
0: picky with uh with new ska. Very picky because I I grew up on like the Whalers. You're kind of an old head. I'm and a total snob. I'm a total snob. You're an old head in reggae and ska. I love first ska. wave ska. Yeah. I actually like third wave ska a lot, I, but I'm super picky. How about uh, how about the stuff? Like Goldfinger.
1: Like-, like, I like Goldfinger,
0: but mm-hmm. I do, I'm not really big on the Sublimey type ska.
1: Yeah, but so so you're more on, like, the Trojan Records era of things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or Tough Gong. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Peter, no, P- no Peter Tosh disrespect. and all that.
0: Oh. Oh. Peter Tosh and all that. Oh. So yeah. one thing I have to say really cool about Knowles is he Knowles his stuff Um. He knows Peter Tosh very well. He understood the Wailers. I have a huge respect for someone, especially in rock music, yeah. who understands reggae.
1: Absolutely. Like, classic roots. Even, even though none of Bob Marley's kids are, are really, except for Skip. Skip's actually kind of doing it. He's a grandchild. He, he is. Yeah. But he but that, that track that he did with Her Slow Down is fantastic. He <sighs> sounded like his old man. He did. But, all, all of Bob's minions sound like him yeah in fact actually was it um i heard that you should go to a ziggy marley concert because you're basically getting a ziggy sounds exactly like his father he sounds more like his father than anyone else exactly because you're getting a you're getting Mm -hmm. a bob marley concert by going to see ziggy marley essentially i think it's a good and a bad thing i I do too goes back to the whole thing i was talking about throwbacks and Mm -hmm. being derivative didn't he do something with sting too he he did ziggy marley did yeah, and that was Shaggy, too. Or the Shaggy. Melody
0: Makers. He did stuff with the Melody Makers, too, in yeah. his own band. He's good. He's actually really technically good. Just sometimes he sounds a little bit like his old man, and sometimes yeah, I'm like, ah, eh, you know.
1: They're, they're keeping the Jamaican tradition alive in groups, you know. Sh- but you've sh- got sh- to be
0: your own guy. you got to be your own person. Why- and
1: that brings us to Greta. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to Greta. So, once again, a band... That that went by my college campus. I'm gonna let you take
0: this one. That a I just bit. that I just well, had, to recover.
1: That I just had no interest in, mostly because this this dude. I, I don't even know this, the lead singer's name, and I don't really care at this point. I forgot. I would have genuinely said his I, name. I, I just can't remember. I think it's Matt something. I don't I think know. It's Matt. It would be Matt, right? Uh, it probably. No offense to all the mats I have a lot of Pro- friends named Probably, Matt. but anyway, this this lead singer, he has nailed down every nuance of Robert. <laughs> Of Robert of Robert Plant, oh wait, and
0: that was a little bit of
1: uh, what was that guy's name? That was I don't know what Freddie Mercury. I was like trying to put Freddie. Together I don't know with, what that was with Plant. <laughs> yeah, that, that that no, that's that was a little different. That was but, different. But uh, yeah, no, that that's the thing. All these boomers and old heads are are, tr- are are treating Greta Van Fleet like they're the saviors of rock and roll music, when in reality, it just sounds like. Led Zeppelin cuts that didn't make it off of the cutting room floor.
0: I oftentimes agree with boomers, but this is one where I 100 disagree with them. Absolutely, because let the past go. Absolutely, because If you th- want your old music. You got your records. You can also cover a song. Exactly. They Co- don't cover music and then pass it on as
1: something new. That that just pains me. There's a nos- they're a nostalgia act like to the T. Yeah, but, and they can't even admit tea. it. That's the problem. And then they actually put out a new record. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. They I put am aware a, of it. Okay, you, okay, you're aware I of. actually... The Garden's Gate record. You
0: know, okay, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I have not disliked a single Greta Van Fleet song. I have not disliked it for the sake of the song itself. I have disliked it for the idea that they think that they're just going to just get away with it and just pass on something and act like, okay, we don't listen to Led Zeppelin ACDC, who are they? Who's Deep Purple? No, you know who Deep Purple, Blue Oyster Cult. You know all these. Aerosmith, Rush. You guys obviously listen to seventies classic rock, and that's okay. Seventies classic rock. Stop trying to bring it back, and then pass it on as if it's like something fresh. It's not something fresh. We've listened to it for decades.
1: Right. And I guess that's my problem with the group too is that it's just it's. – They're not technically bad. They're technically good. No, they are good players. They're they just creatively – Bankrupt. I was going to say bankrupt. Sure.
0: Um, artistic evolution. That is the word I've been trying to communicate evolution. for the last 30, 40 years. Because minutes.
1: there's nothing wrong with wearing your influences on your sleeve, but you do – need to do something different with it. Be upfront about it. Just like say, hey, we wear our uh,
0: influences on our sleeve and it's usually from the 60s and 70s. That is okay. Right. And guess what? That means, okay, cool. I just probably will listen to you a little bit less, but thanks for being honest about it.
1: Right, exactly.
0: But don't just like do it. And then like people, I remember when someone like came like, oh gosh, like rock is coming back. Okay. First of all, and I'm a total rock head. All of you people out there, this is for you. Okay. This is for all of you. I'm pointing right at you, both cameras and all the cameras that we haven't put in this room yet. Right. Rock is not dead. It never left. It has always been here and it has been evolving. You don't need a guitar with humbuckers to do rock and roll. You don't need a guitar at all. Nope. All you need is the attitude. That's right. Rock is an attitude, just like any almost every genre is based on the attitude. How you play your instrument.
1: Rock vocals, rock piano, rock guitar, rock drums. The rock attitude has persisted. You know where it's showing up, and it's showing up in hip-hop. It's it's showing up with artists like Post Malone. It's showing up with artists like Kid Cudi in yeah. a big way. Those are artists that are, that are kind of bringing the rock attitude with the <laughs> hip-hop aesthetics, even though that Kid Cudi album, that was not it. Speed, sure. Speed, I, speed and bullet to Heaven was not it. I did like... I like his creative it. spirit, though. I do.
0: I'm going to give him a,
1: a I, bit of a pass here. I, I have to, I, And I have to give Cuddy respect, too, just yeah. because of...
0: If you see this, let us into your next like <laughs> album release, all
1: right? <laughs> yeah, get, get get us our early access. <laughs> man on the Moon 4. Please, man. All right, yeah, let's make it happen. No, I have to give... I, Cuddy is going to be an all-time great just because of the overwhelming influence he's had on numerous artists. I mean... It, is it Josh
0: Kiska? Is that his name?
1: I think so. I think it's
0: Josh. Members. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know. I'm totally derailing it, but it's also my podcast, so why not? Sorry. Is
1: that back to Greta?
0: I said what I said, but no,
1: no. we're, we're going to go back to Greta. this. Yeah, because Cuddy, Cuddy influenced a ton of people. I mean, I have to give you know a lot of respect to Cuddy just for that and how he's shaped a lot of rap, as we know. You I would,
0: think some of the best artists, and this is kind of also a bit of a an odd to voice yeah but I think when you get really experimental you you're gonna get some duds yeah and I actually like that I think it's respectable I'd rather get an artist like that you know like we can talk about Radiohead later but yeah a band who is really creative has a good spirit and in the name of creativity and then they have some duds but then you also know after some duds are gonna you're gonna get some good like really cool stuff I think Cuddy especially in the hip-hop kind of area that space um, I admire his venturing off into different territory that a lot of people didn't go.
1: Yeah. He 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 borrowed a lot Even from Even if alt it was
0: rock. boring or he missed it.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, he went from alt rock a lot. You hear a lot of alt rock vocal lines in his, his is the
0: type of stuff you listen to when he wants some ideas.
1: Exactly. Cause he'll just he'll just go forth and, and do it. So mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, that's just it's a really interesting place to think about, you know, so many of these artists now and, and whatnot, and a lot of what has been considered you know, better music has kind of borrowed heavily and or based entirely off of nostalgia. But then you have, um, you know, artists that are pushing it forward too. So I, I don't know. I feel like now that it's established itself as a trend, I feel like it's, it's kind of going full steam ahead at this point mm-hmm. in terms of um, especially from the 80s. And now we're going to probably see more 70s too with um, the Bruno Mars Anderson pack record coming out. I think that that trend is going to continue. Okay. Um More like the throwback kind of nostalgia. I I do think so. Um, weren't I mean, you
0: trying to squeeze in 1975 earlier?
1: What the 1975? I
0: totally thought you were. Never. Mind. I was
1: as the band. Yeah. I mean, the, but the 1975, they they kind of had that basis, but then they kind of just went way off the deep end with experimentation. I mean, I I mean, I I liked some of their earlier stuff there's actually a few songs that they have that i i really like sincerity is scary is, is a really good song okay um that borrowed a lot from jay Dilla, and kind of going back to that wow time. we don't
0: talk about them anymore not really not as much the 75 yeah
1: yeah i mean because they kind of had they kind of had a moment in the sun too a little bit where um i'd say like what 2014 2015 15. they were yeah they were, i think it was 15 they it were kind of the, they were kind of the hot band of 2015 they they made it to Coachella. They wrote then, it out until
0: like 17, maybe 18, but I think they wrote it. Yeah. That, I
1: think it's 18. They kind of wrote it.
0: And then Bad Sons also got kind of big. Not as big as 75, but
1: No, I, I actually thought I actually think Bad Sons has a lot of cool production
0: going on. No, no, no. no I'm not saying production. hey, I like Bad Sons. I mm-hmm. think they're cool. They're not bad. Bad Sons. Mm. Um, but uh I think I think 75 had had, at least at the time, eclipsed them as far as Oh, like, popularity? popularity. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In fact, didn't 75 kind of eclipse um Neighborhood. Oh yeah. Would you say? Well, because Neighborhood had that one song. It was sweater weather. We're just gonna be talking about so many bands. It's that's just,
1: that's they had that one song. So sweater we weather, which which kind of was a phenomenon for a while, and right. actually that that song is still liked by a lot of people today. Anyway, so I feel like there's gonna be more of this kind of pushing for nostalgia, but I but I do think that you know eventually it's just gonna be borrowing from from different eras, kind of like how it always has been. A lot of a lot of artists in the 80s took some influence from the 50s. You know, you have like your George Michaels, which did that, um, you know. Uh, well, one has to define what a throwback is and what
0: um, futuristic artistic creativity is. Yeah. There's a different mindset because you're always going to borrow from the past. I can't just like speak words that no one has ever spoken before.
1: Right. And and to think that something is – and to think that an artist is going to come out with something – completely original that is there's no such thing as 100 that wasn't that wasn't based off of something even if it was unintentionally that's not going to happen no there's going to be some sort of outside factor that's going to be influencing um these records but i do think so let's talk about kendrick for a second
0: because i was going to say he would be a good example of someone who has done something that was I guess very modern. Mm-hmm. It fit the time sound-wise. Yeah, not just lyrically, but just like the actual sound sounds like
1: the 2010s. Absolutely. But and he
0: obviously has to pull from the past to make that sure. Happen. But he's I mean, not can, a throwback artist.
1: No, because there is a, there is that difference between yeah. What I've I've coined. I mean, someone's coined the term before me, but I I like the term nostalgia act, where it's basically right. you are stuck being a act of your given time that you're taking inspiration gtv on. yeah for sure, exactly but Wait,
0: gvt dang it
1: whatever but um gvf dang it gvf yes that's right <laughs> gv gvf is the textbook definition of a nostalgia unfortunately the black keys are kind of going in that way too kind no, they've been there for a while
0: have they yeah with they? uh brothers was it brothers from 2010 i thought brothers was kind of like their last album i, th- I think it was more like el camino uh no, even before Lonely Boy, which I actually like. Um, Black Keys, I actually do like them. Yeah, Black Keys are cool. But you know what I mean? Good, they had good that uh, that distorted vocal, and which uh, you know, Arctic Monkeys took it and just went crazy <laughs> with it. Um, they I did. actually
1: liked Arctic Monkeys. I liked their last. Few I like their
0: first two records.
1: Uh, Suck cor- it and see might be good. Of cor- okay, of it's course fine. you do. Of course you like their first two records. <laughs> of, co- of course you do. Even though I felt like I have my reasons. Even though I felt like um, Vampire Weekend borrowed a lot, they had a similar kind of sound. Vampire. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're right. Yeah, because you're right. Because right. are you gonna tell you're me right. that A Punk doesn't have a similar sound to? I bet you look good on the dance floor. It's very similar. Oh, they have that. They, have, point, that, they have that ska influence kind of thing. Alex just dun, has dun, dun, such dun, dun, a huge dun, dun, ego, dun. man. He does, and and a lot of hipsters probably like that band too. Actually, we're just we're just we're just deconstructing hipster bands now. How, how do how do we how do we go from lo, lo-fi as the new jazz to deconstructing oh, hip, it's easy. Hip, hipster bands? I, I think have it's no easy idea. For us. Anyway, but back to Kendrick though, because yeah. Kendrick because Kendrick has a ton of jazz influence in his stuff. Now, granted, with Kendrick, you never know what you're gonna get because every record is vastly different. That's why he takes so long to make albums. I think because he's even said this. He's he, he's even been on record saying this that he wants to kind of you know, basically reinvent or do, you know, he doesn't stick to one sound. He likes to kind of diverge and whatnot, but... Is he overrated? Yes. Is he really good? I would say yes.
0: That is how I feel. <laughs> overrated, huh? One album. I think Dan was overrated. Oh, I forgot not to swear.
1: <laughs> but, man, it's the name of the album, okay? Okay, so fine. it's We'll just call it Darn. We <laughs> like, got, like everyone else, right? But, no, I mean... No, I think I think that one. I think you're right. I think that one album wasn't his. Butterfly was really good. Oh, we're 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 talking about Butterfly in the classic album. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. cool. We have we have to talk about that cool. album. We can't not talk about cool. that. album. That's a that that's an instant classic. That's 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 right up there yeah, with. Yeah. Oh, wrong album. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right up. That's right up there with a lot of albums like D'Angelo's Voodoo or mm-hmm. whatnot that would that are going to be considered modern classics. But anyways, back to to Kendrick, I, I think that he kind of further evolved this whole jazz neo-soul thing too, because really before 2015, I wasn't really hearing a lot of neo-soul jazz in hip hop or really R&B, but then that album came out and now everybody's writing that right. wave. it seems like. And I've certainly had my fair share of influence from that too. Um, you know, but that's how you got artists like Anderson pack. That's how you got artists like Thundercat.
0: Would you say Kanye and Kendrick are both equally influential for the times that they were really big?
1: Yeah. I would. Yeah. Cause that's what I kind of think. Yeah. And I think in a way they still are to a large extent. Although, right. Although- but you're
0: still going to define your time. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are.
1: Yeah, but I do. like
0: Michael sits perfectly in. Well, uh, I guess he's really he's really huge in the seventies and eighties. But I still kind of see him late as the, 70s, the late seventies,
1: late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, I still see him as that. Well, that well actually, actually, actually wait a minute. Late seventies through the eighties, because yeah. really, where he started to fall off, and and not even really, and, and I don't. Dude, think he, Nirvana dethroned the heck out of him. Well, he, of course they did. Yeah. Sorry, Of of course they did, but I mean, that that Dangerous album, while some Michael fans really like it, I think it wasn't as big, and it just wasn't as good, especially when you had three of the greatest albums in music, period, not even just pop music, but three of the greatest albums in music, period, once again, circling back to Quincy Jones. Off the Wall, Thriller and Bad, in that order, is insane to have those three albums come out basically back to back to back um, over the span of, I think, two or three years each and then touring it to death. But the fact that you put that out in succession and then Dangerous comes out, which is a little more daring, but it didn't reach the level. Then you had all the allegations. Every it's like, artist eh. has his time. It's like, eh. Or her. Yeah.
0: I use them interchangeably.
1: And I mean, the only other person that put out three basically classic albums back to back Mm -hmm. was maybe Stevie Wonder. I mean, if you think about Uh, it, Stevie Stevie. Wonder's classic period, because you had, you know, I have no qualms with Stevie. Music of my mind, talking book, um, inner visions, songs in the key of life. They were all consecutive and they were all one album of the year for rightfully so. Stevie Wonder's goat. Um, No question about it. Agreed. Yeah, but I think that Kendrick was very influential in in using those nostalgic elements and kind of, you know. But he didn't overdo it.
0: No. I I, I don't think so.
1: And I'm really
0: critical about that stuff, as you already.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, circling back to what we started with of kind of lo-fi and chill hop, I think. It's all related. Exactly. It's all it's all interconnected. This cir- is all planned. Every it's,
0: single word. It's all, all the stuttering. Everything was planned.
1: It's all interconnected in a circle. And I think that's the thing is you see, Kendrick was able to to teeter that line and evoke those feelings of nostalgia, just like a lot of this chill hop music is, and with kind of this less is more approach, this this low fidelity approach harkens back to what hip hop was based off of, which was, you know, this kind of less is more approach. For a while, you know, most, most people didn't have access to the very equipment that they make beats on. I think it's going to go back to being really experimental and busy again.
0: I think it's going to happen because, you know, everyone wants to change and be different than their parents.
1: Absolutely. But I mean, I feel like, it, but I feel like the lo-fi and hip hop, it, it captures that spirit of, you know, basically from 77 where they had that big blackout where people were able to essentially get these uh, revolutionary music products um, basically free um, and, start pulling from a lot of these records and what they were hearing around them and create these sounds um that's kind of what I think it evokes and that's why I think you're going to see a long standing prevalence of these 24 hour streams still being around even if hip hop as we know it and music as we know it continues to get more busy um I do think that there is going to be that category where people are going to l- lean into that low fidelity and even uh Billie Eilish has lo- leaned into low fidelity and you listen to the way that some of her songs are mixed and you're kind of wondering how did you let this go through but then you think about okay um this was very much done intentionally
0: she's popular enough where she can kind of get away with anything at this point musically
1: but even people like xxx and she was not
0: well known no one would want i mean she would have a small following yeah most because most it's always a minority that likes music like that
1: yeah because most artists can get a following off that. because that because one thing i will say kind of you know really put put the bookend on this i will say that the community of people in that is very strong and very loyal well small batches are strong batches right it's
0: so usually those, the big ones that are frail and don't know what the heck they want in they're life. not as f-
1: they're not as fickle. That's as why
0: you get those bands who are an artist who get really huge and they're like a flash in the pan and then they all disperse and they're just looking for the next greatest thing. Mm-hmm. It's people who are in love with the popularity, not the actual artists. Absolutely. That's why it's always those underground indie artists and bands that have small followings, but they're the most
1: loyal. Right, exactly. But I think that you'll see more of a wave of low fidelity continuing to be embraced, okay. especially in the bedroom producing sense of people producing So out you the, don't think it's really at its peak? You think it's, not yet. Okay. Okay. Not yet. Cool. I think it's. I think it's only going to creep more and more in there. And um I think that there will be just a, a general shift too into more independent music making. That I is need my green tea. Yeah, that's that's bu- you know kind of bucking the the traditional studio system and and whatnot. And I think that these genres are also a way of of doing that. So all right. Well, on that note, this is concludes the first edition here of. The Worktape Podcast. Uh, tune in next time. Where we're going to be talking about some albums that are modern day classics. So stay tuned for that. I've been Mitchell Palmer, Isaac Grover, Worktape Podcast. Peace. Later.